Warning. At this podcast, we love two things. Swearing and Jesus. And probably not in that order. We cover sensitive topics and things that could be triggering. So please proceed with caution. And wear headphones when at work, in public, and around children. We're glad you're here. Come on in. And don't mind the mess. I'm Charlie. And I'm Vivian. Welcome to the pod. We're glad you're here. In case you haven't met us yet, we're two friends journeying chapter by chapter through books that examine faith, knowing yourself, and what it means to be a woman. Our discussions are raw, authentic, and occasionally uncomfortable. Thanks for joining us. Come on in and don't mind the mess. Hey, Liv. Hey, Charlie. How's it going today? Well, as this is our third attempt at recording, it's going. (laughs) It's going. Welcome to the mess, people. It is a messy, messy day. We are so excited to be here. Uh, Charlie, let's check in. How do you come today? I am trying to get my head in the game. That's how I come today. (laughs) Excellent. Yeah. I'm glad you're here. Thanks. How do you come today, Viv? About the same. Yeah. And I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to be recording. But to be completely honest, I just don't have a lot to say about this chapter. So fair warning on the front end. We're going to, this might be a short podcast, but there just, there just might be a short episode today. Right. We're not going to try and milk it to get our normal time if there's just not a whole lot to say about this chapter. Um, another yep. note is we are, I'm recording in a different place than usual today. And so if there's any weird background noises, I tried to turn off my fan and I could not figure it out. So it just keeps coming on and off. So there we are. It's okay. It's okay. We don't want you to meld. There we are. Here we are, guys. It's a yep. mess. It's We're a glad mess. you're here. Yep. Let's muddle through. Okay. <laughs> so chapter five. All right. Here we go. Is chapter the five way of the courtesan. The Go way ahead and of the uh, I'm just gonna echo everything. You <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Go ahead and uh, give me that summary. All right, all right. This chapter starts off with a quote by Voltaire. Which Charlie, do you know who Voltaire is? I know they're a famous person, but I cannot place them in my brain today. Russian question mark. All right, cool. Yeah. Um, listeners, if you can help us out here or correct us, please let us know. I'm pretty Here's sure the Voltaire is a, is a philosopher. Oh, I think so. But yeah. again, I'm ignorant today. So that's cool. Here's the quote. It is not enough to conquer. One must know how to seduce. Which I'm like, all right, then. Moving on. Moving so, on. Um, the summary of the chapter. This chapter, Mama Gina dives into the way of the courtesan. Um, she talks about how uh, she, <laughs> while breastfeeding her newly born baby, um, accidentally started watching this movie called Dangerous Beauty, which is a period film about and based on a true story about a young Venetian woman named Veronica, who becomes a courtesan and for those of you who don't know a courtesan is a high-class prostitute 
Okay. So that's what this is about. And that movie triggered Mama Gina to realize, oh my gosh, there's so much from us to learn from the courtesans of the world. So uh, that kind of is a thing that inspired her to really begin the school of womanly arts. So there was that beginning there. Um, and then she gives a couple different headlines here. So what is a courtesan or what are the different things that they teach us? She, the courtesan, attracts what she desires. She dresses the part. She rises above. She lives turned on. She chooses beauty. She elevates herself. Uh, she is outrageous. She uses pleasure as her compass. She flirts as a spiritual practice. And she never, ever gives up on her desire. So that's the chapter. Just that's the all chapter. these lessons that we can learn from the course. See you next week, guys. <laughs> I'm, just I'm just kidding, y'all. I'm joking. We'll, we'll expand a little. We will. <sighs> So yeah, we will. We will. this movie is really while she was there breastfeeding her daughter, this is where she really came up with the idea of Mama Gina. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Before she was just, her name is yeah. Regina, right? Yeah. Yeah. Before she was just Regina and going forward, she knew that if she was to fulfill the call she felt like she received after she gave birth to really give women this knowledge that she gained about what it means to be a woman and to embrace your own pleasure and be turned on that she would need to be bigger than what she currently was. And yeah. it was the birth of the school and of Mama Gina. What do you think yep. of that? I mean, good for her to get inspired and have this dream and desire and passion and a little bit peculiar, in my opinion, that she would pick um, a courtesan or all courtesans as her role models, just because I'm not really a big fan of prostitution in any way, shape, or form. And I feel like she kind of gives courtesans a hmm, an overinflated sense of importance. Oh, snap. <laughs> Is that too much? I don't know. Is that know. too far? I don't know. It, you said it, so it's here. I don't know if it's too much or too far. I think that, I don't think that she gives them too much importance or overinflates them, but I think that the fact that the courtesan is a position, though the consequences of being a courtesan is that you got to be educated, you got to own your own land, manage your own money, which at the time of the courtesans was something that average women didn't get to do. I think totally that those are great, but the reason courtesans around or is a position is because of the PWC. Right. <laughs> like the, it wasn't, it wasn't that a woman was all like, you know what? I'm going to be a boss ass bitch. Who's gonna, you know, run the world through fucking men because that's how I want to do. It was either become a nun or become a courtesan if you were poor. Like, right. It, <laughs> there wasn't a whole lot of choice there, you know? Right. Right. I mean, I don't know. I'm <sighs> blah, blah, blah. all the things, all the thoughts. Um, This last sentence here, she's got, there's a huge difference between a prostitute and a courtesan. 
a prostitute who fucks a man for cash and a courtesan who fucked a man back to life or deliberately took him higher or had a sacred spiritual sensual encounter with him so that he could connect to his soul again. I just kind of had to barf about that a little bit. I don't see the point. I'm sorry, but I give, I, I just, I, here's the thing. Um, sex is really great and important. Your sexuality matters. Sensuality matters. And maybe this is the stunted part of me speaking, but I also don't think it's the end all be all of everything. Like you don't have to live, have sex to live a fulfilled life. It's going to be different. But just because you're having sex doesn't mean your life is fulfilled. And just because you aren't having sex doesn't mean your life isn't fulfilled. And I totally disagree that there's not a huge difference between a prostitute and a courtesan. Because either way, you were probably forced into this position. And you're fucking people for non-intimate and relational reasons. Right. I don't know. I'm not a big fan of temple prostitutes either, be they courtesans or others. So the fact that she's trying to make it a sacred spiritual encounter that he can connect to his soul again. I don't know. I don't know. It just bugs me. I think also like as a new, as a new lesbian, I don't give a shit if he connects with his soul again. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like throwing that out there. There's also that. There's also that. It's like there's also that. I think it's inappropriate for this book. I think it's inappropriate for this book. It feels like I've been hoodwinked a little bit because I thought the point was to you know, get in touch with my turn on, get in touch with my pussy, that way I could break down the PWC, not so I could pleasure a dude, you know? Like I get that she's talking about the restorative nature of sex, which sex can be restorative, but it's all individual. Absolutely. And I don't see, I I don't know, there's a couple things in this chapter that are just off base for me in this book, (laughs) but I am trying to be open. I realized last week when we were recording that I'm not a huge fan of Mama Gina personally at this point in the book. Mm -hmm. And so for me, you know this, Viv, because we've been friends for a really long time. For me, it's hard to like what someone has to say if I don't like the person. Yeah, absolutely for you. If you don't like the person, it's game over. Right. I tend to be a black (laughs) and white thinker. And so I'm trying to live in the gray with this book and it's giving me an great opportunity but it is a bit of a struggle so yeah it's a bit of a struggle but i am trying to have that growth mindset there all right yeah good for you good for you all right well let's take our angst Angst, about feelings of the day and rip this (laughs) chapter to shreds and see if we can find some good things uh, amongst the rubble as well amazing because there I is love some it. good stuff there is there I'm just, is i'm just not a big fan of our starting point being prostitution whether you're gonna call it being a courtesan or otherwise and i don't know it's probably because i'm pretty passionate about like sex trafficking and it's not okay it's not okay to force somebody into that role and into that life one way or another so right moving on here we yes a hundred percent first section the rule or the thought or the thing that you learn from the courtesans. She attracts what she desires. 
Charlie, what do you think? I I did like that she was very clear that we don't have to become courtesans in order to get things <laughs> from their like to learn lessons from their lives. So she's not Yes. She's not telling us to go out and fuck dudes for money. So I appreciate that. I don't know. I okay, so I listened to a podcast called By the Book where they talk about Okay. They live by self help books for two weeks at a time. The oh, hosts yeah, yeah. do. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think I've told you to check it out. But that's you told okay. me about this. Yeah. So I don't know. The law of attraction comes up quite a bit in these books. And it feels mm. just kind of cheap to me. A little bit. Like, so manifesting something into being just feels a little like, if you think it, it'll come true. You know, you have to put it out into the universe, blah, 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 blah. It's like this expectation that just because you think it, it'll come to you versus like doing any hard work or if you didn't get it, is that because you didn't think on it enough or did Like, it just feels blamey and gross to me. I Mm, think it is important to have desires, and I think it's important to think on those desires, but I think it has to go beyond just thinking and putting things, quote-unquote, out into the universe. You need to Mm -hmm. act on those things. I agree. And I think Mama Gina would agree with you, because she says... um, I kept studying, paid attention, and began to follow examples wherever I could. So I think it's not just a, I think about it and therefore it becomes. I think it's more a thing of um, pay attention to what your desires are and then focus on them and start moving towards them. Like, no, if you just sit around and daydream, nothing's going to happen. But like, for example, you want to write a book, right? I do. That's been a desire of yours. Yeah. And so you've been thinking about that and now like you're actually writing it and you're doing things and you're stepping and moving in that direction. And it's so awesome. And I'm so proud of you, Aww. but you're right. If you just daydreamed about being an author someday, you'd never become an author. You actually do have to take the steps in that direction. So I think, I think it, the bigger point of this is be aware of your desires and then act on them. I think that's what I would say, but I don't know. Maybe that's not what she's saying. Those aren't the words that she says, but I like your interpretation mm-hmm. a whole lot more because she does use the <laughs> oh, actual. Thanks. <laughs> oh, thanks. She does use the actual phrase. What I began to notice was that if I could imagine it, I could attract it. Seeing it in my mind's eye was right. enough to create something in my life. And it's like, bitch, it isn't. It, it, it is not. I wish it was that easy. I, I, I mean, super wish it was that like- simple. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I just don't have the confidence to actually attract things at this point in time. I'll keep working it, but until then, <laughs> I'm going to keep on just actually working it. Doing things. <laughs> Not just thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, man. Yep. All right. Section two. She dresses the part. I, ooh, I need you to go first because I don't know how I fucking felt about this shit. <sighs> It stresses me out. Um, be honest. I am a jeans and t-shirts girl. Like, I 
do not dress well. <laughs> I did at some point in time um, have come up with a thing for myself of like, what is it that I want to wear? Or like when I go shopping for clothes, what matters? Because clothes shopping stresses me out for several reasons. Reason number one, I have really long arms. And so it's difficult to find clothes that fit well. Um, and the sleeves yeah. aren't too short. So like summer clothes, okay, that's fine. But at the same time, I also just, we've talked about it before. I'm kind of uncomfortable in my own skin and I don't really want attraction or attraction. I don't want people noticing me. And so I don't try to dress in order to stand out. And then you tack on the growing up in the nineties and kiss dating goodbye and Christian modesty culture. And like, oh my gosh, the amount of fear and shame and anxiety around letting right. your, bo your boobs or your butt or your belly be sticking out. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't want to show anybody that stuff. And I mean, my husband would love if I wore lower tops <laughs> and like more things that showed my shoulder and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, nope, can't do it. Can't do it. Leave me alone. Let me just put on my t-shirt. So, so clothing and like trying to look cute is really stressful for me. So this chapter was challenging I don't know. It's challenging because it feels like I have to be doing something or like I, if I'm going to be the fullest that I can be, then I need to dress a certain way. And I don't know. It just stresses me out. I can totally see that, especially for you. You know that I love a crop top and my boobies out just a little bit and my butt being all mm -hmm. like, hey, yep. I, I enjoy yep. that. Because I spent so long feeling really shameful about my body. And now it's all like, bitch, I'm here and I look yeah. fly as fuck. And so mm -hmm. I understand, though, how you feel about that. And I would say that one of the things about this chapter is it is primarily about external things, I feel like. It is less about mm -hmm. your internal world as a base and more about how the external can influence your internal, how you dress beautifully or surround yourself in beautiful places in order to feel beautiful inside. And I don't know how I feel about that in general as a rule. Yeah. But on top of yep. that, I would also say that if you look at what her vision of beauty is, of course, it's going to fucking stress you out. Did you look at the outfit, the pink silk pajamas, the pink fan and the boa? I'm sorry, those words, pink silk pajamas and boa, they'll stress me out just in themselves. I'm like, that's terrible. That does no. not sound any of the things that I am. I know. I looked <laughs> up a photo because she said she did all her press from the first year of the School of Womanly Arts in that outfit. It is. Yep. It's something. And that's her. And that's awesome. I'm glad for her that she found her thing. For you, I would say it's really about looking inside and maybe connecting with Holy Spirit or Jesus and being all like, fuck the rules that the church gave me. Between you and me, how would I feel comfy and feel beautiful at the same time and really explore that and then totally. step outside your comfort zone there. If you're a hundred percent comfy in feel beautiful in jeans and a t-shirt, rock your jeans and a t-shirt. If you feel like you want to try a crop top, try a fucking crop top. 
if you feel like you want to butch it up and just like put on flannel and a backwards cap, you do you, boo. That's not for me. I just ordered two things of lipstick today because it's it's what I was feeling. But I mean, everybody mm-hmm. has their mm-hmm. own idea of what beauty is. And totally. I wouldn't get caught up in what her idea of beauty is. Absolutely. And I have done some soul searching in this arena. Um, and I decided that I want clothes that I feel comfortable, confident, and capable in. Ooh. Meaning I want to actually feel comfortable. I like things that are soft and cozy and like not scratchy or stiff. So I want it to actually feel comfortable. I want to feel confident, meaning I want to put something on and then I don't want to be thinking about it all day. I want to just feel confident and not like worried about what other people may or may not be thinking about my outfit. Right. And I want to feel capable. And by that, I mean, I work with children. <laughs> Yes. I have worked with children for a long time. I work with children now. And so I can't be wearing these dangly earrings or long necklaces or super low cut or whatever stuff because, dude, I got to be picking up kids and manhandling things and dealing with stuff. So I want to feel capable in the clothing that I'm wearing and not like, oh my gosh, I might break a nail if I do something. I just, I hate that. And I probably will never, ever try and wear a crop top because I just, I just look a little lumpy and stretch marky down there post baby. So that's why you wear high (laughs) jeans. You wear high pants that come to like right above your belly button and a crop top. Okay. I'm not going to pressure you. You do you on that. It's okay. Comfortable. Rule number one. Rule number one, comfy, always. Yeah, her taste always. is a little more zhuzh, a little more extra. Bougie? A extra. little bougie, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And yep. if that works for her, God bless. Yep. Yeah. And can I just say, Charlie, that I love your style and I love your confidence and it is not my style, but I love it. And I think you rock it. So you keep being you and inspiring me to be me. It's just great. Awesome. So the next is she rises above. Yeah. She talks about how courtesans were not just kept women. They were luminaries. And I've heard that phrase before, but I felt like I needed to look it up. Like, find out what a luminary was. And it says, a person who inspires or influences others, especially one prominent in a particular sphere. Hmm. I like that. Yeah. Do I think courtesans were? I don't know. (laughs) She's got a sentence in here that I feel like sums it up really well. She says, the move from victim to courtesan. And that, that to me kind of sums this chapter of like, you quit being a victim and you start taking control of your life or you intentionally move forward and say, okay, I'm going to overcome this obstacle. Shocks about it is like they saw their obstacles as a delicious game, which I don't really know if that's entirely true, but that's a great, that's a great point. Um, I love the movie Meet the Robinsons. Have you seen that one? I have. Oh my gosh. Okay, good. I was going to say, if you haven't seen it, highly recommend. I love it. They've got this line in there. Keep moving forward. Right. And like, that's such a great thing of you don't let your setbacks or your disappointments stop you and 
turn you into like, well, I'm a failure because this failed. Instead, you go, man, this didn't work. It's okay. I'm going to keep moving forward. And so I think, I think that's the essence of this chapter of, okay, I don't need to just endure, but I'm going to, I'm going to fight through my trials and tribulations and whatever's going on here. And I'm going to trust that I can come out better on the other side. Right. And I think the major part of this section is that she says the courtesans weren't born, they were self-made. And so this was really, being Mm -hmm. a courtesan is really about choosing who you will be. And she talks a lot about hardship, that courtesans had to come from nothing. Uh, They had no advantages at birth, no money, no support, nobody to follow up back on and this was something that I did highlight that I really liked it says there is freedom when you know you're playing your only card I Hmm. I really like that I mean you have to take big risks and with big risks often there comes big rewards there's also this this Mm -hmm. pride the sense of knowing that there was nothing more you could do if it did fail you know like yeah i like the idea of giving something my all yeah i love that too yes i don't know that i would have the confidence that she had when she started the school of womanly arts to instead of playing it safe and approaching her financial like situation as like oh i need to be responsible blah 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 she's like i started coaching and i charged a humongous fee and offered a money back guarantee i was like that is super bold i probably would have like shopped around saw what other people were charging maybe charged a little bit less like (laughs) Mm -hmm. which i get is not the point her point is yeah but i mean put it all in the essence is confidence right yeah put it all in go big or go home yeah that stressed me out a little bit. I think it probably means that it's a growth edge and you take that edge as quickly or as slowly as you want to. Thanks, bud. Um, I didn't yeah. love that section where she's talking about when her partner was stroking her clit too hard and the teacher encouraged her to change her perspective like to choose to love the pressure of whatever stroke she was getting. Right. I don't love that. Mm -hmm. I mean, yes, you can sort of change your own mind, I guess. But for me, it'd be simpler just to talk through that. Yeah. And just be like, Hey, I would love if you like stroked this way or that way, you know, instead of being all like, yeah, well, he's doing it, so I'm just going to enjoy it. Like, are you, though? <laughs> hey, it could have been a her. Mm. No, it says he. Yeah, Sorry. It wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't. It's fine. It wasn't her. <laughs> but it could. It, it could have been. Could've. You You can speak in inclusive language. Thank you. I agree. I agree. I didn't love that section of like, mm, no, I think I'm important enough to say, I don't like that. Stop it. And I get her point of... What would happen if you change your perspective? Because I think a lot of times our perspectives keep us in a really 
closed off place. Mm-hmm. Um, I can think of different things that I've experienced in my life and different challenges. And like, it's amazing what shifting my perspective in a situation can do to both empower me and free me from bitterness that I might be feeling or frustration that I might be feeling, but instead finding ways to pay attention to the joy and pay attention to places where I can be grateful. So if that's the essence, then I'll, I'll get on board. But yeah, in this situation, I'm like, no, let's just all have a good time. Yeah. Communication. So important. Communication. <laughs> Next section. She lives turned on. I don't understand what turn on is yet. And we're five chapters into this book. <laughs> I don't it's know. Cool. Me too. Okay. She talks about it so much. And I'm like, okay, but what is it? And how do we achieve it? Like, if you could just tell me that, then we could just close up shop. Plugged in to your innate divinity. Yeah, but how? There's an inner light. You can actually see when a woman is turned on or off. I'm going to fucking jump through the screen and punch you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's fine. I think. Okay, here, this sentence. Every woman has the potential to be fabulous, to restore the meaning to life for herself and others when she plugs into her own eternal powers of radiant turn on. I don't know WTF uh, turn on means, but I think maybe it means you live with purpose and you live, yeah, you live with purpose and intentionality. You don't just go through the motions as a victim and like, well, this is the life I was given. And so I'm going to mope my way through it, living day to day to eat and sleep and tomorrow I'll die. But like you have something and you're going for it and you're living with intentionality and purpose. Okay. And you're not a victim. You take control of your life and you, you don't know. You're you a say, powerful this is what person. I want, and therefore I'm going for it. You're a powerful person, straight up. Exactly. Okay, we learned this at ministry school. I know. Thanks, Jesus. Thanks, Jesus. <laughs> Got it. I'm a powerful person. Cool. Got it. Okay, if that's what turn person. on is, sure. She keeps talking about it, so. but she doesn't tell us what it is. It, it's driving me Maybe a little Maybe because crazy. she lived such of her life in like a sad and depressed and turned off state. And by turned off, I mean she was like hiding from everybody and herself. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why she calls it turn on. Of like, okay. I mean, I didn't, I don't know. I didn't spend my life living that way. Me so neither. Maybe I've just been mostly turned on all the time. Maybe I'm on a dimmer switch because I think I could be more turned on than I am in the sense of I could have more authority in my own life instead of just kind of going with the flow of everybody else. But Viv, I don't know. I fucking love that. Maybe I like, I, no, a hundred percent. Maybe we're just on dimmer switches and like you just got to turn yeah. it up a little bit more because I don't feel like. Yeah. Even though I've been through hardships and shit in my life, I've never felt as quote unquote mm-hmm. turned off as she has or how she's sure. explained in this book. I feel like I'm sure. already like 40% to wherever it is she's trying to get us to, you know, like. Perfect. Keep rocking it. Just like turn on a little, like just 
turn it up a little bit more. Turn it up. Pump up the turn volume. Up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Pump I like up the jam. Yes. Uh, and we thought we weren't going to have Excellent. anything to say. Let's go. Oh, I'm pumped I now. Know. It's great. Next section. She chooses beauty. This is another section that stressed me out because, is again. This the one with the $6,000 dress? No. Okay. So no. why did she chooses beauty stress you out? Because I, again, it's not something beauty and femininity are not things that I feel good at. I like beauty and I think maybe I like femininity. I'm figuring that one out a little bit, Oh yay! <laughs> but I don't, I don't feel like it's an achievable thing for me. Why? And that's probably actually a lie. And so I got to work through that, but I'm just telling you why it stresses me out. And so it's like, okay, um, just because it stresses me out doesn't mean it's not something I need to press into. This would be a growth edge for me. Right. A hundred percent. I want to know why you think that it's not achievable for you, because I think that's a lie straight from the pits of hell. And I just want you to tell me out loud so we can hear how silly it sounds. I don't, I don't have a good reason. And the, the reason is I don't think that it's achievable and I know that that's a lie. And so working through that would be the next step. I don't have an answer to the why because it's completely irrational. Are you? That's why it stresses me out. I don't feel like it's something that I know how to do. Okay. Okay. I think that's. That goes back to, again, she has a very specific way that the courtesans thought beauty was and that she thinks beauty and femininity is. I would recommend. Sure. Because I had to do this. You have to figure out what that means for you and then start asking Jesus, what's the next best step to living this? And I think that'll be, that'll make it easier for you. Take some of that pressure off. Totally. Yeah. And I need to be okay with, you know, the idea of failure or trying again, which those are things that are struggles for me. So a hundred percent. I get it. So, yeah, she just talks about the way the courtesans looked and how they were beautiful and how they made themselves beautiful and how she wanted to put that into practice in her daily life so she would read aloud a different poem each day just to inspire her she would choose beauty inside and out she decided that she needed a beautiful brownstone in order to develop her business which she was currently teaching out of her living room so she wanted a better living room to teach out of Mm -hmm. and Oh, you, you're going to have to, because this one really stressed me out. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So she, she does the courageous thing. I'm just going to, she got, does the courageous thing and says, you know what? We're going to buy this. We're going to buy this brownstone. We're going to put together our money and we're going to put in this offer and we're going to be courageous and crazy. Seize the day. And then she does this, what I think is cuckoo banana things of, she decided that she needed to have the vestibule of the brownstone painted like a giant vulva, which yep. I just, my jaw hit the floor. <laughs> I mean, yes. she went over, I just got to read this. Okay, here we go. The light at the top of the vestibule was the clitoris. 
and the walls were painted gorgeous pinks and purples and peaches and reds. We even put a coating of clear gloss at the top to simulate lubrication. Everyone who came in and out of the brownstone had the opportunity to make a wish inside the pussy. Which, yep, yikes. Jeez, <laughs> but uh, you know what? Be bold, be courageous, you do you. And maybe don't paint the door of your house like a giant vulva, but... I mean, okay. apparently it worked, though, because shortly after yep. the New York Times sent a reporter to talk like to interview her about the school and then the school of womanly arts started to take off which i guess if you paint a giant pussy on your door people are gonna come and ask questions right i uh, my curiosity because she's married at the time is yep how did bruce feel about how did bruce feel about this and also like that's a lot of money they were living in a basement apartment and then they moved into a brownstone that was three times their current rent. Like, yeah. per month. In New York. In so New York not City. Cheap. <laughs> not cheap at all. Like, oh, I don't, I don't, mm, I, mm, I've been behind in my rent before. It was the most stressful six months of my entire life. Just hated it. The idea of like getting behind on that large a scale stresses me. Stresses me right out. Yeah. But we don't know that she got behind. But the opportunity to get behind there is. Is there. Yeah. And that's the part that stresses me out. So. Yeah. Next is she elevates herself. And. Oh yeah. This is the part. Okay. So yeah. So next is she elevates herself. And she was talking about how, you know, her class was just 12 women, but she knew someday it would be hundreds, if not thousands. And she knew that she need to, like, set the stage for that. You know, lay this groundwork for something grander in the future. And she had noticed that all headmistresses of elite institutions had a large portrait of themselves hanging in the parlor. And so she decided... Which, gross. I know. <laughs> Can I just... Yes. That's just... I know. Come on. It's so gross. But okay. It's just okay. like self-masturbatory to me, you know, just like mm-hmm. just like stroking that ego real hard. But yep. I mean to each their own. And so she decided to have yep. a large portrait painted to step into her role as the headmistress of the Courtesan Academy. And one of her clients was a well-known painter. And so they negotiated some trades of service, intensive coaching, for a portrait to hang over the fireplace of the brownstone. And she realized the day before the painting that she didn't have anything to wear. And so her friend was like, oh, let's just go to Bergdorf's, which is like this really expensive you know, beautiful department store in New York City. And she finds a $6,000 gown that she absolutely loves. And when she saw herself in the mirror in it, she's like, oh, this is me, Mama Gina. This is my creation. This is who I am. And she felt like she had to have the dress, but it was $6,000. And she and Bruce were barely making rent but her barely but her friend can told her you know you just 
buy the dress, you wear it the one day, and then you return it the next day with the price tag still on, which I've never done this before, so I don't know how I feel about that. (laughs) How do you feel about that? Yeah, not a big fan of that. Not a fan. Like, anything could go wrong, but that's okay. And so she wore it and loved it, but after the painting the next day, she realized that the woman had just, like, barely gotten her face done, and it was going to take multiple sittings, and she didn't know what to do about the dress. To get the painting done. Yeah. Right. The artist was headed overseas for two weeks, so it wasn't like she'll finish tomorrow and return the dress in two days instead of one. Right. And she had maxed out two credit cards to buy this thing. It was kind of a mess, but... She's thinking about returning it and her husband calls and he said that he thought it over and he thought that she should keep the dress if she really loves it. He didn't know how they were going to pay for it, but he wanted her to have it. And her friend. really sweet. Very sweet. Kind of dumb. Really sweet. But yeah, so she calls her friend Pierre to get back up because Bruce tells her to keep the dress and she's thinking about returning it and Pierre essentially tells her don't you dare return it you know lean into it get shoes get lingerie you know get earrings for the dress really let this dress teach you how to be mama Gina and introduce you to what you want to become and so she kept the dress yep Nearly sank them financially, but she kept that dress. She did. Her credit card was suspended. They were on a payment plan for several years until the credit card company was all paid back. But (laughs) the door was open and she felt like that really sinking into that really gave her the opportunity to become Mama Gina and to build a multi-million dollar business. Yeah. Yep. I I don't. There you go. I don't know. Yep. Next she section. She is. She is outrageous. Yep. That she is. <laughs> How do you feel I, about this section? I don't know. Okay, you're an Enneagram type yes, four. I am. I am. Okay, you. You're an Enneagram type four. And so, and I'm an Enneagram type nine slash one, kind of depending on the day. Which, for those of you who don't know the Enneagram. The reason I bring this up is because nines tend to like to just sort of blend into everything. So this idea of being outrageous and standing out in dramatic and ridiculous ways is like so anti who I am. And fours want to be unique and individuals and like often loud, but not in a volume way. Like you want to be seen and noticed and unique and recognized. So I'm curious of how this section resonated with you as a four. Did you feel it's that? It's a little like, barf mm, for barf, me. No. It's just over, over the top. It's okay. too over the top. I've so it's over so the top. over, over the top. <laughs> Go ahead and tell them why it's so over the top. And then I'll explain yep. a little bit why I feel like it's. <sighs> so the lessons from the courtesans is that they have all the stuff that they want. The power the independence and the education they can own the property and manage their own money blah 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 blah. so then there's a story about these two parisian courtesans who basically had a little rivalry 
excuse me, rivalry going over who was the most powerful, wealthy, and beautiful. And so at some ball on an evening, one of the courtesans came wearing literally every single piece of jewelry she owned. So like head to toe, layer upon layer of tiaras, necklaces, diamonds, rubies, etc. Okay. Rings on every finger, bracelets, anklets, etc. And then in came the next courtesan wearing, you know, because she didn't want to be shown up. So she's wearing just a single little diamond necklace. But then she had her maid following behind carrying like a giant stack of all of her jewels. So basically she's like, I'm just going to wear this one, but then I'm going to bring my jewelry box around just so that y'all can tell that I have lots to choose from too. So it's outrageous of the attention that they're trying to get. And then Mama Gina gives a couple examples from her own life of being outrageous, like um, having extravagant entrances to her live events like riding into a program on a white horse with a Moroccan saddle or getting herself, having herself carried in to a weekend by a gang of hot men on um, a plank over their heads, or maybe in reenacting her favorite rock store, performing one of their greatest hits all in good fun. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's just so extra. I don't even know. Like, so for me, it's that it's gross. One, why do you need all those jewels on? (laughs) Two, for the second woman, it's like, okay, why bring all your jewels so you can get robbed? It just doesn't make any, like, practical sense to me. (laughs) And then as far as Mama Gina goes, I'm like, okay, I, I like to have the attention of a small group. So if I am in a group of people, I like to use my wit and my charms and my smile and my charisma to draw people to me, to like foster community, to foster conversations. Sure. But what she's doing feels like it's just like, everybody look at me and pay attention to me for the sake of paying attention to me. And that feels gross to me. Like, right. I don't need thousands of eyes on me. I just need five. And I, I think what I do is I take that, that attention that's being given to me and I, and I give it back. I don't just stand up there and tell stories after stories after stories. I, hopefully you've seen this as my friend. I try and engage people and help people feel welcome Mm -hmm. in a space. Totally. I wouldn't say that you are a selfish conversationalist. Like you come into a room and you're seeking, you're seeking attention. Like, I mean, I don't really enjoy being around those people who are talking so that they have the attention or making a scene so that they have the attention. So I'm like, look, I don't really love that. Now I will pick out this one little bit here. She says in one short sentence, you can have fun. You can be creative. It's heartbreaking to feel how little room for play there seems to be in our world today. And I think maybe if that's the essence of what she's saying of like, you know what? Seek ways to have fun. Go ahead and break a social norm every now and again and be goofy, be silly, have fun. If that's her point in be outrageous, then I'm on board with that. I 100% agree. But I don't need to be over the top to get attention. 
but I mean, it is important to have fun and to laugh and to play and to do all of those things. I would say you have to discover what fun means to you and what play means to you and then embrace those things because yes, play and fun are so important. And that's somewhere where I need to grow because I don't really value having fun. I grew up in the Midwest and so I value hard work. Mm over being silly. I know. I grew up in the, mid- in the Midwest. <laughs> we are Midwesterners, but my point is just that, yes, we totally value hard work. Yes, we need to value fun as well. So she uses pleasure as her compass. Yes. Yep. Yep. Next section. Yes. Next section. Here we go. What do you um, think about it? I hated it. A lot. Unpack that. Okay, so this is the section where every, I don't know if it's every year, but she tries to make sure that her advanced students have a chance to go to Paris and walk the magnificent staircase at the Palais Garnier, which is like an opera house, I guess. She's telling us about the first time she was in the building and how she was overwhelmed with its beauty And she loved it. She thought it was amazing. She was awestruck as she climbed the staircase. And everywhere her eyes traveled, there was another amazing statue. She was just breathtaking. And she really wanted to, once she got to the second floor, she saw that there were, it was lined with like little wooden doors going into private boxes. And she really wanted to go into a private box, but... She couldn't because they were having a private ballet rehearsal on the stage. And she says a courtesan wasn't to be deterred merely because there was a rule against it. So she and one of her friends got the a couple of young custodians on the balcony floor and asked them in broken French, like, if they would take her and her friend into the private boxes. And they're like, sorry, we can't. But she would not be dissuade. She used her charm and was like, please, won't you please, please, please do this. And they're like, okay, come back in five minutes. So they came back in five minutes and they went into the boxes and they loved it. And then, and this is the issue that I have. She says, One of the custodians guided her to a private part of the box. He took her face in his hands and he kissed her first gently and then more deeply. And he leaned against her and she could feel his rock hard cock against her thigh. And he pressed her up against the wall. And that's in a moment of passion In a moment of passion. He pressed her up against the wall and they accidentally flipped on a light switch briefly in their box. And they had to like, duck out of there i hate that because it's like okay you used your sex to get what you want and this dude wasn't attracted to like you as a per like he sort of assumed i got you into this box now i can do what i you know now i can rub up against you And she's like, oh, I'm so powerful. I turned him on and now he wants me. And it's like, no, he performed a service. And just like a courtesan, you know, he was expecting you to return the favor. Yeah. 
Yep. It's a little unclear to me in there of like, um, were you into it or was he just into it? Because that sounds a little bit rapey. A little, a little bit, bit rapey. rapey. Yeah, a little rapey. And and let's just skip Where's down the a little bit of at the end, at the end there, she says the best part after they escape are two heroes, meaning the custodians, somehow found us, followed us outside, and begged us to meet them later for a drink. These guys were both young enough to be my sons. Ew, gross. But right. what did it matter? I was covered in courtesan pixie dust. And when a courtesan is following her desire, she is eternally hot. And I'm like, Okay, I'm, I just, that's not the lifestyle I want to live. I'm sorry. No, it is I not just... for me. I'm not going to judge her if that is what she wanted. Because mm-hmm. like I said, like everybody's entitled to do their own thing as long as they're not hurting other people. Yep. However, it like you said, mm-hmm. it, I couldn't tell if she was into it. Right. I couldn't tell from her wording if she was into it. Right. And nope. also it's like, okay. You talk about how, you know, turn on is supposed to be for you. And yet again, this entire chapter, it feels like, you know, you feel powerful because you were able to turn on this man. Therefore, it's like, is it really for you or is it always going to be in relation to what you can do? Like, right. where, where are you getting your self-esteem from? Where are you getting your sense of self-worth from? Right, your ability to get a man hard, because right. I'm sorry, that's not really that hard. No, it is not. As someone who, <laughs> as someone who used to like use that as a measure of their self esteem, like yeah. it's not that hard. That's why I did it. It was an easy way to boost feeling good right. about myself, like shooting yeah. fucking fish in a barrel. <sighs> so I didn't love that. Yeah. I didn't love that either. So, but I, again, if I'm going to pick the nugget out, I would say, you know what? Follow your desires. Take risks. What, what's, what is it that Miss Frizzle says? Take chances. Make mistakes. Get messy. Yeah, sure. That's what she says? I don't know. Yeah. It's been a really so long I think, time. I think maybe that it has been a long time. Magic school bus, how yeah. I love you. I think that's maybe the essence of this. Of don't be afraid and back down from the thing that you want. But be like Miss Frizzle, not a fucking courtesan, and just go and get the thing you want. Go for it. And be Miss Frizzle. Miss Frizzle dressed impeccably. Miss Frizzle. According to her own style. She was educated. She did what she pleased. She used her uniqueness to benefit others. Fucking she was Be outrageous. Miss Frizzle. She was outrageous. <laughs> she like shrunk them down she and elevated took them herself. On a, yeah. And others. Yeah. And she elevated others, which yeah. I think is even more important. Better than yeah. fucking totally. someone back to Let's life. Be Miss Frizzle. For sure. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The uh second to last section. She okay. flirts as a spiritual practice. Which again, I'm like. You know, what do you think about this one? I hated this one less. Okay. I didn't love the examples that she used. So she's talking about one, a courtesan, a famous courtesan, and the woman of the man she's fucking. So the courtesan and the husband's wife. 
and how the wife came to confront the mistress. The, yeah. Yeah. The wife came to confront the courtesan to be like, hey, you need to stop fucking my husband. And instead she's like, yeah, I'll stop fucking your husband if you give me the pearl necklace you're wearing, a million francs, and I also want you. And so the woman gave her the necklace. She gave her a million francs. And the next day the, the courtesan returned the necklace. She returned the francs. And she's like, hey, I don't want these two things, but I'll stop fucking your husband if I can have you. And... I'm like, okay, that's a little hot. I'm not going to lie. But also it's kind of gross because it's like this, <laughs> like you're bartering, you know, it, it feels like prostitution. Yeah. But mm-hmm. also I don't. Again, she's a courtesan. So it is prostitution. Yeah. It's about money. It's about Let's power. Let's just have that hot second. Uh-huh. Right. It's about money. It's about power. It's not about actual feelings or desire. And I didn't love, like, why are you guys fighting over this dude? Like, why would either of you want him? He's a piece of cheating shit. I didn't understand. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand that part. I did, however, love, she says, flirtation is not only fun, it's also spiritually effective. If a woman is flirting, she is in her highest power. Nothing can take her down. She's living in a state of such delightful radiance that she can create fun with whatever comes her way. And I like that because I'm a naturally flirty person. (laughs) I do. Like, I don't actively go out and have fun. But when I'm in conversation with people, like, I love to compliment them. I love to, you know, ask them about themselves and just, like, be a little coy and a little fun. You know, it's... It's fun for me to have conversations with other people. When have you I'm done not strengths finders? Yes. Winning others over is is one of my strengths. Is woo one yeah. of your strengths? Yeah. Woo, yeah. Woo is one yeah. of my strengths. I would say, you just straight up described woo. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yep. I like to win others over. It's just a natural way of mine. And so totally. I can, Yeah. I can really appreciate that. I can really appreciate that in this. Yeah. That's what I got. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Honestly, I didn't love it because um, to me, it feels like manipulation. (laughs) No. It does. Now, I like the way that you described it. So if we're going to go with the way that you described it, it's woo. I'm like, okay, yep. I can get on board with that. Her example here with her courtesans and such, it's like, it, it feels like manipulation. Right. And even the the whole, it's spiritually effective. What does that mean? Are you, are you meaning you're manipulating somebody? It, like, it just, you're in your highest power. I don't know. It's funny because I read that same sentence and I was like, ooh, I read it so differently than you did. So I love that. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, no, I just like, for me, it's like, It's spiritually effective. Like, I feel connected with other people's spirits when I'm in this flirty state. Like, we're beyond the BS. I can see into them. They can see into me. It's this intimate thing. And I feel connected. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it makes me feel powerful. I don't like the framed up. Well, okay. This is great. I, I, I am not a woo strength. (laughs) <laughs> Again, I like to be in the background. I do like, I do like to have good conversation with people. And again, 
my Midwestern Christian upbringing of, no, you don't flirt. Um, you can just have, you can just have normal conversations and so on and so forth, but you don't lead a guy on or whatever, because that's what flirting is. And so I think the idea of reframing what flirting might yes. mean. And again, I don't love her examples because they feel manipulative even in the way that like she used them with the dudes in france to get her way and get into the box i hated that okay you were trying to manipulate the situation so i I don't love that but i think i could take a new look at flirting and see where i can fit that into my life also i'm married and so i don't want to flirt necessarily with people who are not my husband for the most part (laughs) and by for the most part i mean sometimes yes i will use that power and use that ability to help me get what i want or to elevate myself or whatever but again sometimes those things feel icky to me so no i 100 percent. i'm gonna try and have your perspective yeah i think that reframing what flirting is would be helpful because like for me i'm a natural flirt like I yeah. just, yeah. I, it just got comes out of me. I do. But it can be quite yep. problematic for me because men are often like, I've had multiple guys where I'm just trying to get to know them as friends. I don't, like, mm-hmm. even before I realized I never want to fuck another dude ever again. Like, even before that, like, I would have no sexual attraction to these men, but because of the way I'm naturally like engaged in conversations and really like I make a lot of eye contact, I care about hearing what they have to say. I had a lot of them, especially Mm -hmm. when we were in ministry school, go, you know, Charlie, we just can't be friends. It's uncomfortable that it, it seems like you want to be with me. And I'm like, no, I do. I do not want to be with you. Right. Which again, is that PWC of like, I think hey, just is. because I want to have a friendly and fun conversation with you doesn't mean I want to fuck you. 100%. I mean, can we not have some healthy boundaries here? Because right. I can have a fun and like, I'm a fun and funny person. You are. And just because I want to laugh and joke and like have a good time does not mean that I want to fuck you or that I'm even interested in you at all that way. So come on now, like, let's learn how to lighten up and maybe not assume that Every woman ever just wants to be with you because you're a dude. I do not Anyhow, want to. For fine. any men listening, I do not want to fuck you ever. <laughs> I just want to be friendly. Just want to be friendly. Just and it's so frustrating friendly. that being friendly can so often be misconstrued. And I will say that it can be misconstrued both by men and by women, because there have been times where men have been friendly and I become uncomfortable because I'm like, oh, I don't know if you want something more. So maybe we just suck as people and need to learn how to be friendly without being overly sexual at the same time. So a hundred percent. So our last we had a lot to say this time. Our last... Uh, it's funny. It's so funny. Our last section is she never, ever gives up on her desire. She says, perhaps the most powerful thing that the courtesan taught me was to never, ever give up on my desires. I was noticing that desires seem to have a life cycle of their own. 
and that it was very important to trust the timing of a deeply held desire. Timing, as they say, is everything, and courtesans had timing down. Then she talks about Coco Chanel and how Coco Chanel was a courtesan, which I did not know. Mm -hmm. I feel like they've erased that from her history, from her Mm -hmm. widely known history. She says that never, ever, ever giving up on a desire is both easier and more complex uh, than other moves courtesans make. It's easier because you simply locate what you want and enjoy the thought of having it, regardless of how long it takes to acquire it. You enjoy the pleasure of wanting rather than disapproving of the fact that you don't have it yet and feeling. I think that's a really interesting statement. Okay, tell me more. Sorry, this lag is killing us. The lag okay. is killing us. That's I think that's okay. a really interesting statement. Will you say it one more time? You enjoy the pleasure of wanting rather than disapproving of the fact that you don't have it yet. You enjoy the pleasure of wanting. I don't think that's something that we as people do very well. Like when we want something, we mostly just pout about wanting it and feel disappointed that we don't have it. I mean, I've got... In my own life, um, some of my biggest struggles are when I want something deeply, but I don't have it. And it's something that's like outside of my control to get or limited amount of control to get. For example, like finding a spouse or getting Mm -hmm. pregnant. Like those aren't things that you can just like go to the grocery store and pick up some apples because you've got a craving for some good old gala apples. Like, Ew, gala? There are something. Fuck. (laughs) Are you fucking Gala, kidding Pink me? Gala, Pink Lady, and Honeycrisp. What kind of apple do you like? Honeycrisp. If you say in- Red Delicious, we are no longer friends. No. Okay. No. Not Red Delicious ever. Pink Lady and Honeycrisp? Sure. But yes, Gala is absolutely. barely above a Red Delicious in my book. I do not enjoy them. Really? Yeah. Sorry. Oh, well, that's was... okay. I'd pick pink, pink Lady or a Honeycrisp anytime over Anytime. Gala. Yes. Okay. We can still be friends. It's just the first one that came to mind. Okay. okay. It's not yeah. that big of a deal. My that's point fine. is you can go to the store and control your destiny in that if you want apples or peaches or pizza, or fucking cherries. call Casey's mm. and get yourself a pizza or going to the grocery store and get yourself some cherries. But if you want a spouse, or if you want um, health for a family member, or if you want a restored relationship, or if you want a child, like those aren't things that you can control. And so it's really hard to not get heartsick over them when you don't get those things that you want. Right? I So that idea of reframing, agree. yeah, the idea of reframing your desire as pleasure i don't know that's a hard one for me i think it's maybe on point but it's also really hard i i have never been able to do this until recently Mm, tell me more i feel like we talk about me being gay way too much but that's okay it's just new and so it's It's the example it's what's on my mind right now Thank you for understanding and giving me permission to be myself, Viv. So you're welcome. When I was sort of like, oh, I need to marry a man so I can make babies and my biological clock is ticking, blah, 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 blah. I would weep 
and be so bitter and so upset and just holding on to this promise because Jesus told me that I would be married and I would have children and it would it broke my heart year after year when it wasn't happening and it was so hard to hold on to that but now I now that I realize I don't I I don't need a man to have babies and get married the idea Mm -hmm. of like Mm -hmm. I can marry a woman and then we can you know do pregnancy treatments that way you know like knowing that it's sort of taken this like okay yeah I'm excited at the prospect I am I'm just daydreaming and imagining what it will be like and it doesn't feel bitter it hasn't turned sour in my gut it hasn't turned sour in my spirit that it's not here Uh, it's just it's mm-hmm. going to happen. Like I have this renewed faith that it's going to happen for me. The promise is still the same because God never told me, oh, you'll marry a man and you'll be so happy and have a baby. He said, no, or they said, no, you'll be married and I will give you children. And so like the promise is still the same and I have this new look on it and it's allowing me to sit in this place of hopefulness and excitement and passion waiting for it to come rather than this wallowing self-piteous like despair thinking it will never happen sure yeah and i don't know what's changed see well i don't want to be a debbie downer and it's still really new and so when you're on the beginning of a hope and desire, it's easy for it to not feel bittery. So I would love to hear back from you in like six months and a year and whatever, just to see like, what does your life look like? And how do you still feel about this? Are you married? Are you not? How do you feel? All the things. You are because I think a that's Debbie a really Downer, good point. And that's fine. I know I'm being a Debbie <laughs> Downer and I love you still. I'm just going to say that like in my uh whole like fertility journey of not being able to get pregnant for over a year and just struggling with that and feeling really frustrated. I read a book about the power of indifference, um, the spiritual power of indifference and which the essence of it is being okay. If you have the thing do you desire and being okay, if you don't have the thing you desire. And it was really freeing for me. Um, being able to like hold in the balance the promise of having children and like the hope of having children and knowing that I'm still going to be okay as a person. I'm still valued, loved, I'm important, all the things. God is still good if I don't have children. So I don't know that, that for me is my happy place and happy place is the wrong word. It's the place that I strive for like acceptance and indifference towards the desires that I have versus like a fierce holding on to I want to have an open-handed posture towards my desires so I gotcha I think yeah another one since you were a little skeptical about my first example is that I I'm planning on moving like I've known I've wanted to move for a couple years now like when I ended up in the such like living in the place that I am now, I knew that I'd only be here for a couple of years. And so having to wait to move, to have enough money to move is not my favorite. Mm -hmm. And like at times I've had a couple of moments where it's like, 
oh, this is terrible. I just want to go. But at the same time, I've started like saving up to decorate my new apartment and, you know, sort of planning and being able to be excited as I wait. Yeah. To have like this. Yeah, that's a cool one. Yeah. Yeah. Better than my first one. Love it. It's not better than your first one. It's just, it's easy to not be bitter when it's a fresh desire. Like, it, it just is easier. Dude, it took me like four months to get pregnant this second time around. And that first month, it was easy to be like, it's okay, we're going to try again. And that second month, it's a little harder. And the third month, it's a little harder. And even though it's like, I've gone through this before, I'm still disappointed that I'm going through it again. Right. Granted, I got pregnant and I'm super stoked about that. And I'm just, it was an interesting journey for myself to have had that desire unfulfilled for so long the first time around and have really grown through that. And then to approach the same hurdle again and just watch myself handle it differently, but not entirely differently to like to still have some of the feelings of, man, this is hard. So yeah, I'm excited for you. It's good. Thanks bud. So back to what she was talking about. Feeling turned. <laughs> she says that feeling turned on at the thought of a desire sends an energetic vortex of attraction out into the world, and that everything in your world yeah. begins to line up around that desire, and that the way that we shut down the vortex is to disapprove of the fact that you don't have it yet, or to doubt that you'll ever get it. Mm. She goes far enough into saying indulging in doubt is throwing water on the fire of desire what do you think about that which is a really fascinating approach i think it's really interesting and i'll be curious to explore that with my next round of desire facing doubt because i think indulging doubt is a really great word (laughs) Because you can choose to doubt or you can choose to believe. And it is an indulgement. And so she just got that confidence of it's going to happen because I want it to happen. So is it too much confidence? It's fascinating. I don't know. Sometimes I wonder. Sometimes I wonder. She goes on to talk about living our legend and how we will never live our legend if we're trying to follow someone else's roadmap. That we have to listen Mm -hmm. to and live by our desires and our truth and our own unique phenomenal gifts. That each one of us has a voice that the world requires that's unique to us and that the key to Mm -hmm. unlocking our gift is to cherish our own storyline and to just be firm in every fiber of our being, you know, about our desires and how important they are to us that what we want matters and that doesn't just matter to us it matters to the world and i did i did like that me too i thought it was interesting that when she divorced bruce she insisted that she return her engagement ring in order to open up the possibility for an an even greater love that if she held on to the engagement ring that door would never really be closed And it would, you know. I thought that was weird for two parts. Okay. Number one, I still have feelings about her divorcing Bruce. 
because I need, I really want to know why, like, what is it that he did that made you go, "Mm, I need to divorce you because everything she's framed him up to be has been pretty decent and pretty on board with all of her crazy ideas. And number two, she wanted to give the ring back to Bruce and her lawyer wanted her to sell the ring so that she could actually have a few thousand dollars to live off of, which her whole like if I kept the ring and held on to it I it wouldn't open the door I'm like you weren't going to keep it though he was telling you to sell it but whatever I don't right know. I would just also left me feeling confused yeah I would also like to know what happened between her and Bruce because yeah it seemed like this is another situation as the same as her college boyfriend like her perfectly lovely college boyfriend whose only crime was loving her mm-hmm. too much Yep. What are these men doing? I don't know. That's a great question. I do not understand. But it's okay. She gave that ring back and therefore opened herself up to a legendary love. Yeah. And she says that you can't get to that sort of amazing fairy tale ending without the devastating rupture. She says, I open the space for devastating rupture, which is a place every woman must go if she wants to become the woman she is meant to be. Which leads us right into chapter six, which is rupture. rupture. Yeah. I think we're going to finally hit what spiritual direction people would call the wall, but I could be wrong. I don't know. I haven't read this chapter, so we'll see what happens. So that took us a lot longer than we thought it would. <laughs> yes, it did. <laughs> So but you know what? I had a great time. I did too. This ended up, it felt really messy as we were beginning, but I think we really got there in the end. And I felt the discussion was really illuminating, at least just for me. So hopefully you and the listeners yeah. felt that as well. Absolutely. And I think my takeaway is don't be a courtesan, be Miss Frizzle because be she is fucking boss. Miss and Frizzle. Yeah. Yeah. Be Miss Frizzle. Bemis yep, Frizzle. That's, that's going to be my inspiration. A hundred percent. We should have t-shirts. So, Miss Frizzle. Uh, yes, absolutely. So, <laughs> I just want one of her dresses. Oh yes, I would love to see you in one of her dresses. <laughs> <sighs> I would love that so much. So, Viv, how are you leaving today? I'm leaving feeling good. Um, this was a really fun discussion. I enjoyed the thinking about and processing and sort of picking apart the different things that she shared Um and doing that with you. So I had a delightful time. Thank you for making the time for this today. Yay. Thanks. Charlie, how are you leaving today? I am feeling pretty pumped up. I was feeling pretty frizzled. Sorry, I was feeling pretty frazzled when we started this chapter. And I'm ending feeling more at peace about things. So that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, next week, we'll hit up chapter six, Rupture. And we'll see what the big bad is all about. Okay. So we want to thank you again for joining us in the middle of our mess. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate and review us or share us with a friend. Follow us on Instagram at don'tmindthemesspod or send us an email at don'tmindthemesspod at gmail.com to join the conversation. We'd love to hear from you and join you in your mess. Until next time, be kind to those around you. We're all a little messy. Bye. Bye.